Some of you have seen, like, maybe on Internet, on news, some of the news organizations are reporting about Ashbury and revivals that are starting to break out. So I'm going to talk about that, uh, but I feel like it's very important that I finish what we were talking about over these last uh, last two weeks and, uh, and finishing this one, but I have, I have condensed it just a little bit, but it's still important because how many of you know finances can hinder you from uh, following the things of God, yeah. right? If you are deep in debt and you can't see yourself out, God has got a plan for us to walk in that freedom to not be hindered by these things, amen? So I am going to finish this like I said, but then I'm going to take a little bit of time at the end that I want to talk about revival, what that is, what that looks like, how can we see that begin to happen right here, amen, because I don't want to be always chasing revivals, I want to see God do it right here, amen, amen, and and it can happen, so I'm going to hold off, but hang on to that, because you're actually going to get two sermons today, but both both of them condensed, and it may go into next week, I'm not sure, I'm just trying to follow the Lord, amen. Amen. So this, uh, this last part of this series, this is so important because if you miss it, then, then you're going to miss what God really wants to do in your life. But can I ask a question? How many of you would like to go back in time? Like get a t- How many of you remember what this is from? Back to the future, right? How many of you would like to go back in time to a date where you can undo a decision that you made back then that could have altered your future? right? Uh, uh, maybe a financial decision, maybe a relationship decision. Like uh, uh, some of you might like to go back and say, you know what, when that guy proposed to me, I should have said no, <laughs> right? Maybe, no, okay, I'm just, I'm walking there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe go back to that first drink you had and say, don't drink it, right? Don't, or don't take that job. Or uh, maybe you've had something come out of your mouth and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Like, let me see you raise your hands on that. That's probably all of us. We'd love to be able to go back uh, and do some of those things, but, and, and we realize our life would be very different, whether it's a financial, avoid debt. How many of you wouldn't sign for that loan if you would have known now what you knew then, right? Make some better investments. My favorite story is a man by the name of Ronald Wayne. Does anybody remember that name? No, you don't remember that name. Here's a picture of him right here. Anyone know who these uh, guys are? Some of you guys. Come on, techie guys. This Steve Job and what's his name, Wozniak? Yeah. And then, uh, and then the third guy was the other co-founder of Apple, Ronald Wayne. The reason you don't know about him is because on April 12, 1976, he sold, he had a 10% stake in Apple and he sold it for $2,300. Now, here's the thing. Had Ronald kept his portion today, his 10% stake would be worth $241.3 billion. How many? Good move, Ronald, right? <laughs> good choice there. Uh, he's still alive. He lives in Nevada. And uh, this is a picture of him now with his home. Uh, how many of you know he could probably like, man, can I go back to November or, or April 1976? And all of us, if we had a chance to do it over, we would live by a different set of principles. We'd save more, give more, invest more. And how many of you know, spend less, right? 
But we can't undo the past, but we can approach the future with a different mindset. And that's what I've been really wanting to talk. That's why we're teaching that to your kids as well in there. Because they need to, if I could have, as a kid, known these principles, uh, things would be much different today, am I right? So uh, I've been giving you words with principles that follow it, and I believe that they will really change. And listen, like I said, finances is a spiritual issue. Because debt brings deception, uh, depression, it brings divorce, it brings all kinds of troubles into our life. So God doesn't want us to live that way. Uh, the goal is not trying to get to give more money to the church. However, if you don't tithe, I hope that you do start. Uh, the challenge is to reorder our priorities in our fan- financial life so that your kids and your grandkids don't have to live underneath crushing debt. Amen. How many of you want that for your kids and grandkids? I don't want them to. I don't want them to step on the line landmines that I stepped on. Amen. In any aspect of life. Now, I want to tell you because some of the things that I want to share with you today are not things that I learned until very uh, recently, within the last few years. I have a friend who uh, we went to Bible college with, and when he got married, he's the same age as I am. When he got married, his father-in-law, I don't know what his job was, but he was a financial advisor, and he started giving him advice from the very beginning, some of the things that we're going to talk about, and uh, he applied that. He has pastored, and let me, let me give you a picture of him right here. This is him uh, chilling, I guess, in Grand Canyon or something. I don't know where he's at. Uh, but same age, he's pastored all of his life, which most of you guys know, uh, you don't get rich off of that. Unless you're a megachurch pastor, he was not a megachurch. He pastored basically the same size churches, 100 people, a little bit less, more over the thing. But because he had good advice, last year at the age of 57, he retired. And I'm thinking, wow, yeah, he has built enough through all of the good advice that he has gotten, that he's financially secure for the rest of his life. Paid for his kids' college. They didn't owe a dime in student loan debt. All I got to do is say, I'm sorry for my own kids. We didn't learn this principle early enough, uh, or else things could have been different. But like I said, my desire is to see not only you guys be set free, but I want to see you set your own kids free and your grandkids free. Amen? by teaching them some of these uh, principles that we're going. So I'm going to share some of it. Like I said, it's not things that I have practiced lifelong. However, I wish that I have, although I have been tithing, uh, Pastor Golan had tithing for many, many years, but there were other things that we didn't quite get. So that's what we want to talk about uh, and, and pass this on. Like I said, so the first word we talked about two weeks ago was simply obey. Now, I have this principle, right? If you want God's blessing in your finance, we have to follow God's instructions. There's no other way around it. If God says to do this, guess what? We've got to do that, right? God is not going to bless my plan. He's only going to bless his plan. And so we have to follow that. If we get that wrong, then, then basically, if we choose to go by our plan, like, oh, God, I don't think I got to do that. I don't want to do this. This is my plan. You're basically saying to God, God, I will take care of my finances. I don't need your help, and I don't need your blessing. Would anybody actually say that to God? No, no but we do it by our actions. Am I right? So uh, a verse that many of us have heard over the years, I want to read it out of Malachi, out of the message because there's been some misunderstanding that some have had on that. It says, you have a long history of ignoring my commands. 
You haven't done a thing I've told you. Anybody ever hear that from their parents growing up? No. (laughs) And he says, return to me so that I can return to you, says the God of angel armies. You ask, but how do we return to you? By being honest. Boy, isn't that a good place to start? He says, do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day, and you ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and offering, that's how. And he says, and now you are under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you are robbing me. Now, I want to stop at that point, because I've heard all kinds of things. Well, didn't Jesus die on the cross to take the curse away? How many of you have heard that? Did he do that? Yes, he did. We don't have to live under a curse, but part of that is following God's plan. I can't live a sinful lifestyle and say, oh, but Jesus took the curse of sin away from me, right? I still have to follow God's plan. God has offered a way for us to walk under his blessings, but that means that I don't live my plan, I live God's plan. And any time, whether it's relationships, whether it's my finances, whether it's my thought life, any time I step out of God's plan, then yes, I am under a curse, Right? It's not that, you know, sometimes we think of curse like, like if you're reading numbers, like King Balak wanted Balaam to come and curse the people of Israel, like a witch puts a curse on you. That's not the kind of curse that it's talking about. The curse is walking in disobedience, just like Adam and Eve, when they chose to uh, eat of the fruit that they were not supposed to, they stepped out of the blessings of God and they put themselves and everybody else under a curse. And that curse is rebellion. So, When he's saying that you're under a curse, he's saying, listen, you stepped out of my blessing. And so what do we got to do? We got to step back in. And so he says to bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so that there will be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven to you. Pour out such a blessing. I love this. Beyond your wildest dreams. It makes me think of Napoleon Dynamite. Any of you that get that reference? Beyond your wildest dreams, right? And he says, for my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens, and against plunder. But listen, so that's number one. That's the first point. The starting point is obedience to God. Right? Okay, God, I want to obey. Last week, we looked at the second word, and that is simply to pay. Uh, That means to spend less than you make, right? Big, uh, Big surprise right there. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. How many of you know it really is that simple? Avoiding high interest, future crippling debt that comes our way. Don't spend tomorrow's money paying for yesterday's bad decision. Right? Anybody been there before? It's like, oh man, I'm still paying on it. And I gave you a couple of verses last week out of, well, it's one verse out of two different versions. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Out of the message, the poor are always ruled over by the rich, so don't borrow and put yourself under their power, right? Can I just say, this coming May, Pastor Colleen and I will be celebrating 35 years of marriage, right? We did get married at 10 years old, but uh, aside from that, and and here's the thing, at 35 years, I'm thinking of something that I want to buy her, and uh, listen, whatever it is that I purchase for her, can I tell you that she's going to own it, not MasterCard or Visa, right? It's going to be 100% hers. We're not going to be paying on it, whatever it is, but I want it to be something good, right? I mean, 35 years, come on. You got to do something for that. So the principles that we talk about, they're important, but guess what? The order 
that we do it is important as well. That, uh, if we, we have to start with obedience because that strategy won't work if I'm not under God's blessings, no matter what you do. The second one, like I said, is, is to pay. No financial strategy works if you continue to accumulate debt. What I'm saying is, like, you may tithe, but if you keep spending more than you make, then guess what? God, God may want to bless you, but it's like, you know what? You spend all your seed. You're putting yourself under debt, so you got to, you've got to get that under control. And the last word that I want to cover is, uh, is one that you may not like, first of all. Let me just say that because it's so contrary to, uh, to our current uh, culture. Kids may not like Actually, let me just say, kids don't like it. Absolutely. They understand obey because how many of you as parents taught your kids to obey? You better obey or you really are going to pay, right? So, uh, and they do understand pay. They understand that because in school they still teach them math, I believe, right? Like I got $100, I can't spend more than that. So they understand that. The third word, like I said, it's not popular and it is the word delay. Everybody say delay. The dictionary definition means to put off until later, to defer or to postpone. We are not taught in our world today to delay. If you want it, get it. Put it on the card. But if we can apply this principle, it will radically alter our future and the things that we do. So I want to give you three things that you can delay that will really help uh, each of you. Like I said, if you're moved on and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm nearing the, closer to the end of my life than the beginning, teach these things to your kids. Teach these things to your grandkids. Uh, let them understand that. But if you're younger, listen, let's put this into practice. Number one, uh, what do I delay? I need to delay my purchases. Instead of taking out your Visa card and charging for it, wait until you have enough cash. And you're like, Pastor Scott, that's so simplistic. I know. So why is there so much debt in the world, right? We know these things, right? I know that if I keep eating donuts, I'm going to get fatter, but what? Guess what? I still eat a donut, right? So there, if you don't apply the things, it doesn't matter what you know. What matters is what you do. So I may know it, but I've got to actually apply it. If you have lived without something for so long, guess what? Live without it a little bit longer until you have the money. Live without it just a little. Sometimes you will find out that what you saved the cash for, by the time you get enough, you don't even want it anyway. Right. <laughs> right? Anybody, you've been there? It's like, I well, I don't want to spend it now. It took me too long to save this money up. All right? I'm hanging on to it. Let me just say this, that, uh, uh, and, and we don't tell a lot of stuff because sometimes people are like, ooh, pastor, you got this. I don't think pastors should have that. But uh, I want to tell you, for 10 years, Pastor Colleen and I have like, oh, man, we'd like to get a hot tub sometime. You know, we'd really like to get that. And we would go, when we lived in Chico, in our one house, we're like, oh, yeah, and we'd look at the prices, like, oh, man, we don't have that kind of money. Like, well, you can get a payment plan, you know what? 90 days, no interest. Well, I'm still not going to be able to pay it off in 90 days. I'm sorry. So uh, and, uh, how many of you know that's a scam right there, too? Because they know you're not going to pay whatever it is off in that amount of time. And then all of a sudden, all of that interest comes back on you. Uh, but we would look. We would look for sales. We would look. Every now and then, we'd like, oh, we'd go look. But at the same time, we were putting money aside. 
At the same time, we were putting money, and, uh, and then we moved here. We went and looked a couple times through the pandemic. We went and looked a couple times, and it was like, well, you know what? But we still kept putting money. And then last year, it's like all of a sudden, she found a deal. It was a used uh, hot tub that got returned, so it was already discounted because sometimes those things are ridiculous. And I'm like, I refuse to pay that much money for that. And uh, it was discounted because somebody had it for two weeks and returned it. I'm like, thank you very much for taking that money off the top. It was the right color. I mean, we've got some columns right on our back porch that it was like it can only, I can't remember how many inches, and it literally clears both sides by about that much. And it slides in. It matches the color of our house. It was the right price. And we delayed 10 years enough till we had enough money. That, and he's, he's writing up the contract. He goes, he goes how much are you going to put down? I'm like, I'm paying for it. I'm not putting anything down. I don't want to pay for this thing however long. And he's like, I had to go get a thing from the bank because your stupid credit card won't take that. Uh, uh, anyway, here's the thing. Delay it until you can pay it. And you know what? When we finally had enough money to actually pay for it, it was like, we still want it. So we went ahead and got it. And I, I heard this person, his question quiz is what he would use before he bought something. He goes, do I love it? Do I need it? And is it a good deal? And he goes, if I can do two out of those three, he says, go ahead and pay for it. But I want to say he missed out number four, can I pay cash for it? Can I pay for what it is? If the answer is yes, then I want to say, go ahead. If you can't, you need to delay. And, and listen, many people are still paying for things that they no longer need that they got in order to impress people that they no longer like. <laughs> Come on. Don't raise your hand on that one, right? <laughs> say that one again. Some of you are still paying for things that you no longer need to impress people you no longer like. Right? Why do we do that? Some people are still paying on something that you either no longer own or it's broken. Or maybe it got stolen. Right? I've heard people, man, this thing got stolen, but I still owe this amount on it. Man, that's a bummer, right? This is, listen, we have to avoid impulse buying. Our society is geared around. You know when you go to a store and they want you to sign up for their rewards and their things like that? It's because they want to keep sending you coupons to try to, oh man, I've got this deal. It's 30% off, but I got to get there before, you know, nine o'clock tomorrow morning in order to get this deal. They want to pressure you into buying things. How about those commercials where they're like, if you buy within the next 30 minutes, you're going to get this deal. And we're thinking 30 minutes. What happens if I wait 31 minutes? Can I let you guys in on a little secret that they record those commercials and they'll play them at two o'clock? They'll play them at 4 o'clock. They'll play them at 6 o'clock. Do you realize that that 30 minutes never expires? It's all a ploy to get you to that urgency, or, or it's like the first 100 callers are going to get this kind of deal. Come on, if you're 101, you're still getting that deal. But our society has geared us and trained us to feel like, oh man, i got to do it now. If I don't do it now, then I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to miss out on this deal to buy something that I don't really need. But it's such a good price, right? So uh, we need to learn to delay, to save. Like I said last week, uh, if you have kids right now and you give them an allowance or they work for an allowance, either way, I would encourage them to work for it and earn it, right? And then they've been saving up for something that they really want. If they don't have enough money for it, and let me say, as a grandparent, it gets harder. 
don't make up the difference. All right, don't make up, let them learn how to delay at that age so that they will save enough to actually pay for it. And then they're going to appreciate it more. They really will. I mean, I rem- let me just say, I'm, I'm thankful my mom and dad are probably watching. Uh, I'm thankful for the vehicles that, that they purchased for me when I was young. Yes, I was spoiled, uh, but I didn't really value that until I actually had to pay for my own. Anybody else know what it's like? It was like, oh, man, yeah, I can trash this thing. I didn't pay for it. When you actually got to pay for something, um, it's a different deal, right? You treat your tires a little bit different when you actually have to pay for the new tires instead of leaving them on the road as you go by. So uh, <laughs> next one, delay the upgrade. Oh, my gosh. Am I, am I, advertising tells you you got to upgrade. You got to get the new computer. You got to get the new cell phone. You got to get the new car, the new house, the new iPad, the new uh, all of the. There's always, is there always something newer and better? Am I right? Upgrading, it's all about, this is what upgrading is. I was happy what I, with what I had until you showed me what I didn't have. Isn't that true? Like, like, and I know I talk about our van. It's a 2007. I'm, I'm happy with our van until I get into a vehicle that's nicer. We have the little sliding doors on our van. It's a 2007. One of them, you have to push it to make it close. You can push a button and it'll start, but you've got to help it finish, right? That, that's what happens when we get a little bit older. It's like, I can get started, but I don't know if I can finish, right? <laughs> That's just a reality. But then if I get in a vehicle and it actually does everything it's supposed to do, it's like, oh, man, that's pretty nice. You know what? But I'm like, you know what? But I don't have a car payment. I told you guys last week, I paid off our other car this week when our tax return came in. So we don't, own a, we don't have a car payment. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and I don't want another one. If I have to, I have to. But right now, if I have to dump $1,000 in repairs on that van to keep it going another year, I'm going to do that. Right, because I don't want to get thousand dollars is a lot cheaper than a four or five hundred dollar a month car payment. Amen. Am I right? And then the insurance and the registration and all of the other garbage that goes along with that. Uh, this last week, uh, I don't know if you know it, but uh, Timothy's keyboard was messing up, and uh, he ended up having to get an iPad that helps run that and all the program. Way too techy for me. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but he found an iPad, it's what, a two-year-old iPad or something like that, for $250. And so the thought, my iPad that I use right here is 10 years old. And it's like $250 for a two-year one? Man, I could upgrade and get another one. And it's like, that's an idea. Thought about it. It's like, what does it do? Well, it's got more memory. I'm like, I don't need it. This one still does what I need it to do. Right? If all of a sudden it doesn't do what I needed to do, that's a different story. But right now, I don't need to spend $250 just because it's a good deal, it's on sale, uh, I don't need it. All right? And I'm okay with that. So here's the thing. When you make major purchases, if you do delay the upgrade, just bank the difference. If you need another car, man, I want this, uh, but I can wait for a little bit longer, start putting that payment in the bank. Right, And then when you do have time, if you can either pay it off or you can put a huge down payment that is all interest-free, right? Here's the point. You shouldn't be in bondage to the things you purchase, amen? When you do, let me tell you, when you're older, when you've lived life that way, you can buy whatever you want and you're good. 
right? Because you've got the money for it. Number three is to, this is something I wish I would have learned a long time ago as well. Delay the raise. What do you mean by that? It's like, like when you, you're living off an income, when you get a raise, how many of you guys like getting raises? Right? That's always a good thing. When you get it, for one year, live off of what your current salary is. And so here's an example. First of all, uh, $30,000 is probably not even minimum wage in California, right, a year. But say that's what you were getting paid, you lived off of it, and then you got a raise, you got a $2,000 raise to now you're making $3,200, and so live off the $30,000 for that year, pay the $200 tithe increase, that's what you owe, and then bank the rest, right? $1,800, put it in the bank. Put it somewhere where you're not going to touch it. And then the next year comes along, you give yourself your $2,000 raise. Now you're living off $32,000, but you ended up getting another $3,000 raise. Now you're making $35,000. So you pay the difference, the tithe, the extra $300, bank that $2,700. Put it away. Don't spend it. Don't put it on anything else. And then come the next year, you get a really good raise, right? $40,000. You got $5,000 increase that year, live off your $35,000. You gave yourself a raise, right? But then bank the rest. Pay your tithe, the additional $500, but then put that $4,500. This is such a good principle. I hope that you apply it if you haven't, because after three years, you'd have $9,000 in the bank. All right? Doesn't that make sense? Man, I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. How many of you want to say amen with me, right? Amen. These are principles that I've gotten from other people that God has blessed them because you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be making top dollar. You just have to be wise with what you have. You're like, is that really reasonable? Can people do that? I believe that doing things like this, this is just an idea, uh, is a biblical principle. The scripture says in Proverbs 13, 11, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Right? You're going to make it grow. So uh, on the average, listen, once you have a little bit of money, I really encourage you, you can put it in a wise investment. I know there's some scams out there. Put it in, you know, don't do Bitcoin. That's all I'm going to say about that because a lot of people lost a lot of money this last year. But if you have a good IRA, put it in there. I don't know, the last 70 years, the stock market, how many of you know it goes up and down, doesn't it? We talked about this at our men's Bible study. Uh, Some years it's like, man, I got 20-something percent return. Some years you're in the negative. But on the average, for the last 70 years, it's been a 6% increase every year. If you average it all out, don't take your money out. Oh, no, everything's going bad. I better take my money out. Keep it in there because 6% is pretty good. So I want to give you an idea. So you had that $9,000. Say that you got an extra $1,000, and you put that in uh, an IRA or something, $10,000 at 22 years old. So at 6% increase every year, every 12 years, your money doubles. So at the 34 years old, you got $20,000 in there. This is just math. We love, we, how many of you love math? So <laughs> I'm just picking on her. So uh, 46 years old, you got $40,000 in the bank. 58 years old, now you got $80,000. That's just by putting that $10,000 in only. And if you hit 70, then that's $160,000 that you have in the bank. And that's assuming you've not put another dime in it over those years. How many of you know all of that that makes a big difference in our life? If I can, like I said, if you feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm way past that, 
Teach this principles to your kids. Teach it to your grandkids. Help them to, to get that because I believe it's a key not just to financial security, but I believe it's a key to doing much more for the kingdom of God. It's giving you the ability to bless other people, to encourage other people, to, to give to missions, to give to whatever the need is because you're not tagged and, and held on to this debt in your life. God has blessed you. Some of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you grew up in a home that's a cycle of poverty that's been going on, right? It's like poverty, poverty, poverty. Every generation, it's poverty. Do you realize that because you follow Christ, you have the ability to break that cycle of poverty in your life? Your kids don't have to walk in poverty. Your grandkids don't have to walk on it. Why? Because you can delay, you can sacrifice, and you can see your life blessed and not only them. And let me say, this is not about getting rich for your own personal spend it all on me. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Isn't that the promise that God gave to Abraham? Right? I'm going to make you a great nation so that you can go around and brag to everybody how great of a nation you are. No. He says, I want to bless you to be a blessing to every other nation. That was the whole cycle right there. I want to tell you, God wants to bless you, not so that you can hoard, get your new boat, your bigger house, your bigger this and your bigger that. No, God wants to bless you and I so that we can bless others, so that we can see this gospel go around to all nations and, uh, and we can actually do something about it, right? But here's the thing. People say, oh, I can't sacrifice. I can't delay. I want it now. I, it's, I see it. I want it. How many of you know the Bible talks about you? In Proverbs, it says this. It's like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Right? If I can't control myself, I know some of you are like, wait a minute. Are you like dissing me right here? No. I'm just saying, if I can't control this, then what, is, what am I going to do? I'm just going to keep being defeated by the enemy. I'm going to keep walking with this. And you're like, great, Pastor, that was a good financial talk. But what I want to tell you, this whole series has not just been about money. It's not just about that. Let me ask this question. Why do people mess up in their lives sexually? They want it now. I heard someone say that. They don't have no self-control, right? They're not willing to wait till marriage and God says, remember what I said? God says to wait, and we're like, oh, but we got a better idea. I want it now, right? And it's all going to be okay because everybody else does it. But listen, if you wait, I promise you things will be much better, right? If you wait, you're going to avoid pain. You're going to avoid heartache. You're going to avoid the long string of dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships that so many people deal with in our world. What about this? What do people do when they make horrible decisions about their life or their career? I want it now, right? They're not willing to wait on God's timing. How much better would it be if you learn these principles right here of delayed gratification? Can I learn that and, and learn how to control myself and wait? And, and I know, listen, uh, Proverbs says this right here also out of verse uh, 21.5, out of the message. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but that hurry and scurry puts you further behind. If I can't learn to wait on God in, in every area of my life, then I, I'm going to be behind. I'm going to be behind here and I'm going to be behind there. People marry people that they shouldn't marry. Am I right? 
People get into relationships that they shouldn't be in. People sometimes move to cities that they shouldn't. They take jobs that they shouldn't. They get in careers that they shouldn't. All because we want to hurry and have it right now. When we learn to wait for God, God will open up the right door. I believe that. And and here's the reason it's so difficult, I think, for us to do that. Not only because we live in this world where get it and get it now. I believe that we trust God but we don't always trust God's timing. Does that make sense? I trust God. God, I know you're good. I know that you'll bless me, but it's like, but you're not doing it fast enough. <laughs> like, God, I believe that you're going to come through, but I want it right now, right? How many of you know there's a, a, a famous uh, couple in the Bible that did just that, Abraham and Sarah? And I love what the scripture says about Abraham. It says, and it says that he never wavered in his faith. He knew that God said, when you're going to be a great nation, he, uh, he believed it 100%. Even though he was old and Sarah was too old, he's 100, he, uh, she's 90, he knew that it was going to happen, but he wasn't willing, neither one of them were willing to wait for God's timing. And so what did they do? They wanted to help God along. Take my servant Hagar. Right? First of all, how attractive can someone be named Hagar? That's all I got to say, because all I think is the comic strip. But uh, by the way, sorry, I'm getting off track. That caused a problem that we still deal with today. Right? So we have to learn to wait for God's timing. If they would have just waited for God's timing, that would have caused a lot less heartache. See, God still came through. That's how good God is. But he, they caused themselves a whole lot of heartache, other people heartache, because they weren't willing to wait. And so the question I want to ask you today is, can you wait for God's timing? Can you wait for it? Can you, can you delay the gratification and say, God, I don't need this right now. I'm going to wait until the right time. Amen? So uh, it will change your life financially, but it will also change your life in so many other aspects. So... That's basically the end of what I wanted to talk about with this series. I think it's important. Go back, apply it. Let me tell you, it it will change your financial future, your kids. It will change generations, amen? With that, I do want to talk about something else. And like I said, it's, it's the revival. You guys have seen that stuff going on, right, with Ashbury, with go, spreading to other. If you haven't seen it, uh, you need to see that God is starting to do some things. I think that there was a tipping point that has happened in our world where we're like, oh God, what's going to happen? I mean, with the gender confusion and the stuff that's going on with our kids, we're like, how much? And so I believe that God is starting to stir and he's moving in our campuses. I believe that he's moving in some of the churches as we begin to get hungry for him. And, uh, and I, I, so I wanted to talk about this and talk about revival. The word revival itself is not in the scripture, but the word revive is. And that's the root word of it. So what is revive and do we really need this? Uh, To revive is to regain life, consciousness, or strength. Like if you're out and you're exhausted, if you've ever been like super exhausted and you got some water to drink and it refreshed you, it revived you, that's kind of what that revive is. But it's also uh, giving new strength or energy too. So It's bringing dead things back to life, but it's also refreshing. How many of you know in the church we need that? Sometimes we just get weary, am I right? Sometimes we're just like, man, I'm just worn down. I'm so tired of what's going on in our world today, and and, and you're just kind of exhausted. We need a fresh 
reviving. Amen. We need that. Those that wait upon the Lord, does it say in Isaiah, he will renew our strength. So there's that word wait again. Isn't that amazing? Can I wait on the Lord? You know, because we're sometimes we're so rushed to get out. Oh, you know what? I did church today. Oh, I'm meeting somebody for lunch and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, that we have lost what it means to wait on the Lord. We don't have time to wait on the Lord. Oh God, I want revival, but you got to do it in this time frame. I'm giving you these minutes, Lord, and if you don't do it right then, it's not going to happen. Uh, I want to give you, there were so many scriptures. I started looking through the scriptures. Uh, I've narrowed it down to just two that I want to share today. I will probably share and, and go over this a little bit more next week. I'm not even sure yet. I'm just trying to hear from the Lord on this. But Isaiah 57 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, talking about God, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with who? Those whose spirits are contrite and humble. If we, if we want to be in the presence of God, how many of you know there's got to be humility, there's got to be contrition in our life, right? And he says this, I restore the crushed spirits of the humble and I revive the courage of those who with what? Repentant heart. So I want to talk, to be revived, to be refreshed, we've got to get to a place of humility and a place where, where we're repentant of our sin, right? You're like, oh, well, Jesus forgave me my sin. Yes, he did, but how many of you know, uh, well, let me just ask you this. Anybody ever sinned since you got saved? Right? My hands are up. We still struggle, and sometimes we just kind of get to the point, well, you know what, I'm under grace, so all of that's covered. No, we still have to live with repented lives. We can't like, oh, God is going to bless me even though my whole lifestyle is outside of his will. No, there needs to come a time of repentance, and every revival that you, if you do a study on it, repentance is one of the key things that happen. And sometimes that repentance is just simply repentance from being apathetic. All right, boy, that got quiet. It's like, oh, I'm just kind of content. I know I'm good. I'm making my way into heaven, and God's constantly trying to pull us in, but it's like we're hanging on to our sin or whatever it is, and it's like we can't get in, and eventually we just stop trying. We're like content, just like the Israelites, you know. God originally called them all to come up to the mountain where Moses got the Ten Commandments. They were afraid they would rather stay off the mountain and away and let you go on up there and tell us what God has to say. That's what they told Moses. They, had, they were invited to come closer. Sometimes we can be like this, and yes, I know I'm the pastor. Pastor, you just tell me what God has to say, and then I'll just sit back and hear it. How many of you know God is inviting every one of us into his presence, right? I don't have the hotline. I don't have the bat phone to God that you guys don't have access to. We all have the same access. Same access. Jesus died for all of us and gave all of us that access. But you know what? If, we, if, it's not, if, we're, not, if we're just saying, I want revival, but I'm not having a, a humility and repented nature in my life, then guess what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Psalms, this is another one. This is a cry of the psalmist. He says, won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us salvation. Listen, I believe that was the heart of, of this morning in worship. It's like, oh God, revive us again. This is not just words on a page. This has got to be a cry of our heart. 
God, I want, fresh, I want a fresh touch from you. Revive us again so we can rejoice in you. Listen, if I can just sit with my hands in my pocket while worship time is going on, I'm like, eh, I don't really like this song. I don't like the beat of this song. I wish they'd sing a different song. How long are you going to keep singing that song? Listen, if that's our heart, friends, I want to tell you, we need to be revived. If we're worried about style and all of that, then we're not entering into God's presence. See, worship is not about entertaining and playing the song I like. It's about, man, I want to come in and I want to get into God's presence. And so, like I said, one of the reasons I want to address this is like people are saying, ooh, I want to see revival, I want to see revival, but am I willing to pay the price of what that looks like? Am I willing to pay that price of what Because here's the thing, I want to ask this question. Do you think we need revival in our country? Absolutely. So how does it happen? I mean, is there, what's the secret? I've been seeing some people's posts, you know, this needs to happen and that needs to happen. There's really no secret other than a hunger for God. And I believe, you know, the question is, can I make it happen? Sometimes people try to force it. I don't know if you realize this. Uh, If you've ever tried it, you can't manipulate God. If you could, there would be revival in almost every church because every pastor would be like, what do I got to do to make it happen? Right? You, you can't make it happen in that aspect. So the question, is this solely a work of God's sovereignty and His grace that has nothing to depend with, do with us? I don't think so. I think it has a lot to do with us. I think a lot of it depends on us. Yes, it is God's grace, His sovereignty, all of that. We can't manipulate God, but if there's no hunger in my heart for the presence of God, God's not going to pour out His presence on us. Right? Think about those that were in the upper room. If any, you know, they were up in the upper room for 10 days before the Holy Spirit got poured out. If one of them would have been like, man, you know what? We've been up here nine days. I'm out. I got stuff to do. I got to get out. Of, guess what? They would have left if all 120, I don't know. I've never thought about that until just right now. If all 120 of them said, man, we've been up here for 10 days. I'm done. I'm out of here. What would have happened to the early church? There's got to be this aspect of hunger that happens. And, and I believe if, if there's one person that's hungry for God, how many of you know God's going to meet you? You'll have a personal revival and everybody else is like, why are they so excited about the Lord? God is doing a work in them. If you get two or three people hungry for the Lord, I believe that God will meet you. And two or three people are going to have a revival in the Lord and everybody else is going to be like, what's going on with them? Why are they so excited? But listen, what would happen if there were 100 people that were hungry for the Lord coming into God's presence? And say you were one that was, you know, this, this was the analogy I used this morning. You're eating oatmeal, you know, this is, my, this is what I, my food from the Lord, oatmeal, no sugar or cinnamon or any of that in it. So how many of you know, and you got to have that in it. Just plain oatmeal. Everybody else, you walk in and they're eating steak and lobster. And you're like, man, I want what they're having. Right? I'm sick of this oatmeal from the Lord. I want some of the good stuff. And you see people fired up and loving God and, and pressing in. Uh, your hunger actually begins to activate other people's hunger. When you begin to, to desire after God and you're like, well, I'm just going to be just between me and God. No, let people see your hunger. Right? Because they're going to begin to hunger. They're going to be like, hey, have you ever been to a restaurant where you got like a really disgusting meal, you thought it was good, and then you saw somebody at another table, and they got something really good, and you're like, man, why didn't I get what they got? Sometimes I believe that that's true spiritually as well. 
We're like, eh, you know what, I don't, this isn't that good. But man, someone else has got something really good. And I want that. That is God's prayer. I believe that that is that law of momentum that takes place. That when we begin to hunger, it can't just, that's why that revival in, at that college in Ashbury is not just being contained there because all of a sudden other people are like, man, I don't know what they got going on, but I want that. And they start getting hungry for the presence of God. And they begin to start crying out for the presence of God because they're tired of their oatmeal. Right? They want, they want that steak and lobster that's going on over there. God, Listen, the things that God gives us, He is food, isn't He? He really is drink for our spiritual body. And if we can just get a nibble of what that's like, then we're going to be hungry for more. Oh, God, I want more of that. Let me give you just a, a few verses and just see how this resonates with you as we read it. I know it's, it's, it's wrong up on that screen, but it's right here. Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. It says, As the deer pants, and think about the, the context. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? How many of you see a sense of hunger and thirst there? Right? If we're like, oh, you know what? It's Sunday morning. I'm kind of tired. You know, I don't know if I want. I got to mow the lawn and wash my socks. So not sure if I'm going to be able to make it today. How much hunger does that actually express? I mean, let's say you haven't eaten anything all week, like physical food, and they said, like, if you come to church today, we're going to have a banquet. How many of you be like, man, I hadn't eaten all week. I'm going to be at church. Yeah. Right? I don't have any food. I'm going to be at church. I believe that spiritually, we come into the presence of God. And listen, you can have your personal revival, but there is something different about a collective uh, aspect of hunger when we begin to hunger together. Amen. That's why it's like, oh, you know what? I don't need to be there. I, I heard the message. I saw the worship. Because that's usually, if you're online, you're not, most people are not really worshiping. You're just uh, watching worship. I mean, I'm going to tell you, the times that I've missed it, it's, it's, just, it's just different, isn't it? We got to be in the presence of God because you can't fake that. And so I, I, wanna, I want in my life to be like, oh God, when can I go and meet with you? To be excited, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get in the presence of the God again with my brothers and sisters here. There's got to be that hunger stirring us. What about Psalms 84, 1, 2, and verse 10? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Right? Is that my expression? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Can't you see the hunger and the desire there? Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I mean, I believe that the body of Christ has been hungry for the presence of God. They just didn't know it. Because, we, you, you know, if you miss eating long enough, I mean, at first you get hunger pains, but how many of you know eventually your body gets accustomed to that? And you stop feeling the hunger pains. And it's like, yeah, I'm hungry, but it's like, you know what, that's just kind of how life is. That's how a lot of people adapt when they don't have enough food in other parts of our world because they've gotten accustomed to hunger pains. And I think spiritually we've gotten accustomed to spiritual hunger pains. That's just kind of how we are, you know, yeah, you know what, I'm, I got a little nibble today, got a little bite of my oatmeal today, so I guess I'm good. God wants so much more, but it's like if I'm not hungry, and this is a question I'm asking myself, 
God, if I'm not hungry for more of you, if my heart doesn't reflect what the psalmist, Lord, I yearn and even faint for the courts of the Lord, then I need to begin to look inward and say, oh God, stir me up again. Stir me up again. God, I need your presence. I need that spiritual food. I need that nourishment. Remember when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well and then the disciples showed up, they brought the food. And I love what Jesus, it says, uh, uh, I think I have it here. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. How many of you know there's a kind of spiritual food that, that even people that love God know nothing about? Jesus told the woman in a few verses before that, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Amen. A couple of chapters later, uh, at a great feast, John 7, Jesus stands up and he says, uh, uh, where are we at? If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow out of them. Let's be honest. There's so many times some people come to church and it's like, there's no stream. There's not even a trickle of water coming out of them. Right? It's like, oh my gosh, it's been a rough week. I barely got in here. Woo! Pastor, you better fill me up because I'm empty. But it... If we begin to drink of the presence of the Lord, man, you, everywhere you go, streams of water. That means that life is coming out of you. You go to the convenience store and get your soda or whatever. It's like people are like, man, what is up with that person? There is life coming out of them. There is something coming out of them. He says this, uh, the chapter before that, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they're like, sirs, give us that bread. How many of you would echo, I want that bread. I want that bread. God, Jesus, give us that bread. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I can tell you guys all about it, and I'm even telling myself about it, but I believe that revival happens when enough people begin to cry out and seek God and say, God, I want, that, I want that water and I want that bread. I mean, I like water and bread anyway, but I mean, I want the spiritual one. So that wherever I go, that I am nourished and rivers are flying out. Like I said, if a pastor could make a rival, revival happen, we would do it, am I right? We'd make it happen. <laughs> it won't work that way. It, it happens when we begin to seek God and we begin to press in and understand there is a cost. There's a cost in seeking Him. And, uh, and in a minute, I'm going to have... We may go a few minutes over. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. As for, after saying that, how can you say no, right? But I want to show you guys a video because sometimes we just have to do the things that we need to do in order to see things happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, okay, I need to pray. Okay, I need to worship. Oh, well, I'm tired of worshiping. No, I need to push past that. And, uh, and sometimes there are movements, you know, in the scriptures, they were, you know, we, they started this year off with uh, 21 days of prayer and revival. And listen, part of what's going on may have been a part of that. God's, God's answering things. There are many churches, so we're seeing God begin to move. But there's a move in California that, that is happening, and they're calling, uh, 
the churches and the believers in the state and out of the state to begin to pray for California. How many of you know our state needs prayer more than what we can offer? We need the nation. And so uh, it's called Hope California. And listen, it could be just a program if you want it, but I think it's like, God, we just want to see you, you move. So I'm going to show you a video. If you happen to be watching online, then it's going to be muted. So you won't, because we don't want to get zapped by the YouTube and Facebook police that if they see stuff, it's like, eh, let's cancel it. So, but we will put a link on the, uh, the thing so that you can watch it. Uh, but it'll be up on your screen in our church, but I want to see it in our state. Amen? Amen. Listen, most of you guys know I'm from Texas, and people are like, I'm one of the weird ones that moved from Texas to California. But we came here because we felt like this is where God called us. And so I want to see life back in this state, a place where God begins. I'm, I'm not fleeing because things are cheaper and politics are different other places. This is where God's called us. And I believe that God can bring change to that. So they, they're wanting... 10, was it 3,000 churches? Listen, we're going to be one of those churches. And so April 1st, on April 1st, there's going to be a gathering. It's not as, they couldn't get a stadium in Sacramento, but we're meeting at the Capitol on April 1st. The challenge is to, to pray, begin to pray and fast uh, now until that time. And I'm like, oh, you're like, oh, great. We just finished a fast. Why do you want another one? Uh, take one day or one meal out of the, out of the week and say, I'm going to pray through this meal, and I'm going to pray for a revival in California. Yeah. Amen? And, and let's get hungry be, to see God begin to move. I believe as we pray for our state, God's going to bring something even fresh to our church. Amen? And most importantly, God is going to pour out even fresher in your hearts, bring you into a closer relationship. Listen, I am not somebody that jumps, jumps on the bandwagon of something. Oh, let's do that. But it's like if somebody is calling for a revival in California, can I say I'm in? It's like, well, let me pray about if I want to be a part of that. Mm, okay, I'm in. Because what else is going to happen? We need to get on board. Of, if somebody else is initiating, that's okay. I can, I can join in prayer. I can take a Saturday, go to the Capitol, and let's pray there. Let's see God begin to do something. I don't know what God's going to do, but I want to tell you what. I'm going to be a part of that. Amen. And so there is a website. We will give you guys more information on that next week because uh, it's all downloadable. You can look up Hope California 20, what year is this, 23? Let's, let's, here's my challenge. So like I said, I don't know where I'm going to go in these next couple of weeks. I had a plan, but I feel like God is changing that. So I'm kind of right, like, oh man, I don't know where I'm going to go. But I really feel like it's, it's along these lines. God wants to do a fresh work. Can I have everybody stand? I asked our worship team to do this song. Uh, it's all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain as deep calls out to deep. God is wanting to call us into deeper places. But we got to be hungry for it. we got to be willing to go for it. Amen? we got to be willing to step out. Instead of being on the shoreline with our ankles in there like this, eating our oatmeal. You guys aren't, nobody's going to want oatmeal anymore after that, right? I believe God's offering us something deeper, and it's going to be every step, okay, God, take me deeper. And you're going you're gonna to go a little bit deeper, and, and God is going to do more in your life, and it's like, you know what? Okay, God, I'm taking a little more step of faith. I'm going a little deeper. I want to go a little deeper in you, and uh, allow that hunger to begin to build. What is this going to look like? I don't know. I don't have, there's not a blueprint for 
what revival looks like, but I know that when hungry people seek God, God does amazing things. Amen? So let's, uh, let's sing this song, and you know what? If you get a little excited for the Lord, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I don't want to be the frozen chosen. Amen? <laughs> There's enough of those places around. I, I want there to be a fire. Amen? The Holy Spirit fire. I saw somebody's like, people are looking at this revival. Is this of God? Is this not of God? And it's like, you know what? I don't want to be evaluating if it's of God. I, want to, I just want to see the fire. Amen? I want to see the fire of God pour out because when his fire burns, it's a holy fire, burns off all the impurities, and it's like God does amazing things. Amen? So let's, uh, I'm, I got to stop. So you guys, uh, let's sing this song. <laughs>